and establishing each one in this room in sound doctrine. So many times we separate those things and say either we're, we're established in sound doctrine or we're a prophetic community. No, we need both. <laughs> the early church was both. I have recently been very grieved um, by a few friends of mine, dear friends that loved the Lord that have gone off into some wacko doctrine, theology, that is so off the deep end, it is devastating. I have one friend that I grew up in church with, and she is now fully saying that God is in the bush there, and I'm God, and you're God, and the, the trees are God, and all of crea creation's God. She's gone into Buddhism, and it started by the hyper-grace movement. She started there and then moved right into... Gradually, in a year and a half, believes everything's God and just peace with nature, and nature is, is God and Mother Earth and crazy stuff. And she now believes that, that that's her belief system. Because she was not grounded in sound doctrine. Because she was not grounded in sound doctrine. Another dear friend recently, two, two very close friends, that loved the Lord, that were part of the worship and prayer movement, that sought after God, that read their Bibles, that came to church gatherings together, have now gone off into universalism. And they say that everyone will be saved no matter what. That every person, we've never been separated from God, is the belief. We've never been, sin has never separated us from God. We've always had a seed inside of us. So part of it, part truth, part heresy. <laughs> and that's what's so deceptive about other religions and other even things that lead people astray is because it starts off with a lot of truth and a little deception. And as the minute you allow deception in, that deception can grow and lead you completely astray. And it's grievous because now they're saying everyone in the church is a cult. The church is a cult who has taught us that sin has separated us from God, and all we need is to be know our identity. Okay, so you can see some truth in there. We do need to know our identity. I wrote a book on knowing your identity. That's how important I think it is, right? That you know your sonship. You know your stance before God, that he loves you. But there is, there's a lot that the Bible says that separates us from God. <laughs> Right? Very clear. But once you start going in this direction, you can go way off the deep end and then start going away and calling everyone else a cult and, and that we're the Pharisees now because we say there's sin. We're the Pharisees now. It's works-based, et cetera, et cetera. And 
before all these things were happening, Tommy and I were sensing, okay, it's time. We need to really have a concentrated effort to do this. And then our friends started going off in all these weird ways, and we're like, wow, how important it is. Because we can gather. They gathered. Guys, these are people who gathered as prophetic people with gifts of the Spirit, with the Spirit of God inside of them. But then they slowly drew themselves away. They slowly separated themselves from community. They slowly started reading the Bible the way they wanted, started searching out their own truth. Now those couple of my friends say the Bible is fallible. Different parts of the Bible are, are, you know, were messed up in translation. So I've gone back to the original Greek and Hebrew and found that God's never been angry at anyone ever. know serious stuff but if you were to get in a conversation with them and you didn't have the solid foundation of truth you would have no idea how to have a dialogue with them they would blow your mind with saying the greek words for this means this and the hebrew words for this means this and you know and you'd be all of a sudden convinced (laughs) right that that oh what they're saying must be true look at how much knowledge they had So I'm just going to read a couple of passages here where Paul, okay, Paul in Ephesians 3, if you want to write them down for yourself because look later you can, Paul in Ephesians 3 gives us a clear, he says, what I was called to do was to give the administration, the administration of the gospel so that the church would be a witness, I'm paraphrasing here, you'll read it in Ephesians 3, that the church would be a witness to the supernatural realm of the power of God, basically. That word administration means household order. He was entrusted to put the church in order. That's a huge entrustment, right? At the very beginning, of the very beginning, Jesus had visited him and then entrusted him to put the church in order and to give sound doctrine. And you'll see in his letters to Timothy and his letters to Titus, the urgency in which he said, pass along sound doctrine so that they will not be easily swayed by false teaching. Even back in the earliest time where Jesus had just left the earth, people were being easily swayed away from the true gospel. Things haven't changed. God's instruction to Paul was pass along sound teaching, sound doctrine, so that the believers, the church, the family of God would be grounded in faith, in their faith, living it, walking it out, so that when no matter what deception comes into the earth, because there will be many deceptions coming into the earth, and trying to infiltrate the church. That is clear, and we as a body need to be grounded in what we believe and why we believe it according to Scripture. And it's me and Tommy's belief that it's not us to just tell you what what it is, right? Because also that could be like, yeah, you don't want to just believe what anybody says, okay? You <laughs> if I say something and you're like, well, that doesn't sound right, but these updated teachings don't have to write. Don't ever do that, no matter who it is. 
if something ever doesn't sound right, search it out. Find out if it's true. Look to the word. You have the spirit of God inside of you. Ask questions. So in this, what we're going to be doing is we're going to have a separate day of the week that we gather together to talk about the doctrines that Paul passed along, the essential principles of the gospel. We'll have a scripture, we'll ask questions, and we'll dig deep so that everyone can get grounded in what you believe and why you believe it because this feels that urgent to us that we need to do it. So we want to strongly encourage everyone in this room and others that are not here to be part of any small group that might be happening. We might have to do a few just so that we want people to dialogue. That if you say, well, this is what I think that believes, and, and this, that I believe the scripture means this, and then she goes, yeah, but what about this? That you don't panic and think, he's attacking me. You think, huh, good, I'm glad he's asking me before someone outside asks me, <laughs> and I don't know the answer. Right? We're a family here. We love each other. When we're asking the questions, better to challenge one another inside the house with people that love you, that are helping you to go deep, than just some random Moe Schmo on the street that's like trying to get you to believe a false doctrine, right? We want to get grounded in here, and those times are fun too. I love those times. I'm going to read in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So I'm just going to, there are so many scriptures where Paul is saying pass along sound doctrine, but I'm going to just read a couple for you to get an idea of why this is so important. So Paul is writing to Timothy, who's one of his main leaders that he's discipling, and Timothy's job was to lead, to put the churches in order. Paul said to Timothy, put in order what remains. So Paul had planted all these churches and sent Timothy, put in order what remains in these churches, right? So in 2 Timothy 4, this is Paul's second letter to him. He says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. That word instruction is didakin. That's the word for doctrine. So many times in the New Testament, you're going to see the Greek word is didakin. That means doctrine. But it's translated often as instruction, teaching, tradition. When Paul says to pass on the tradition, he's not talking about traditions. (laughs) They were breaking traditions. When he says tradition, he's saying doctrine, sound teaching, okay? So with great patience and instruction, or doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things. I mean, when I read that, I think of my friends. I don't know if you have any friends that have gone off, but you get to a point where you just want to hear what you want to hear. You don't want to hear truth anymore. You only want to hear who agrees with you. When you have those people in your life that are unwilling to have a discussion because you differ in opinion, 
Those are the ones who are running to have their ears tickled. And may it not be any in this room that run away from discussion where someone differs from you. That's not what we're about. Dialoguing, having conversation, being real and mature and grounded in sound doctrine. But this, we're taking this as a responsibility from the Lord himself saying, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction, teaching sound doctrine, facilitating that we all get grounded. And I want to I say, too, I have places to grow in being grounded in sound doctrine. I think we all do, right? We're all on a lifelong journey of learning. There's no one in this room that's like, no, I've got it all set. Like, I'm, I'm good. No, that's silly, right? Uh, and I hope that if that's your attitude, that you would have a wake-up call in Jesus' name. <laughs> this is, that's not right. We all have places to grow and be challenged and to be more grounded in doctrine. And so many times we think of that as like, I don't know why the word doctrine holds such a negative connotation, but it shouldn't. It's very exciting and essential to being a mature believer. You know, it, it doesn't have to get into this heady, like, who's smarter than who, who has the best uh, argument to debate. That's not what we're talking about. It's saying let's grow together in understanding the scriptures so that we'll have a defense to any who ask about our faith. That's what we want. And that's what we're going into. And then uh, go into Titus. In my Bible, you just flip a page. So this is Paul's letter to Titus, another one of his key leaders who he left to establish the church. Let me know if this sounds um, familiar. So Titus chapter 1, verse 7. Paul says, Paul is giving instruction about overseers in the church. So he gives very clear guidance about how things are supposed to be ordered because he was given that mandate from God to do it. For the church for all time, not just for the New Testament church, for the church for all time. Titus 1, verse 7, For the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-control. Verse 9, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, doctrine, not just the teaching, doctrine. Holding fast faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. For there are many rebellious men empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, which was a big thing in their day, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. Verse 12, one of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. For this re reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith 
Are those okay? Doctrine. <laughs> that may be sound in doctrine, not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. Verse 16, they confess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. And then verse 1 of 2, but as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Isn't there time? I mean, he's literally saying because there was a, a, a group of people that were upsetting whole families because of false teaching. They were saying people still needed to be circumcised. That was one of the big things back then, where God said, no, it's a circumcision of the heart. Everything was a shadow pointing to what was to come. And they were saying, no, you still have to obey the law, right? They were using the law unlawfully. They were using the law for their own purposes, for their own gain. The law had a very specific purpose God had purposed it for. Right, and they were using it unlawfully, and because of that, families were being infiltrated. Do you hear the strong language Paul is saying? He's saying they must be silenced. They're rebellious men, empty talkers, and deceivers. That's strong language. Paul is not joking around here. He's not saying, "Oh, just grace for them, just love them, just tell them their identity, and they'll come out of it." That's not what he said. He says, silence them. They are deceivers. They're upsetting whole families and leading multitudes away from the faith. He's very straightforward. He said one of their prophets is saying that Cretans are always this way, blah, blah, blah. And what's interesting, he says, they're right. <laughs> so... Reprove the Cretans. Tell them they're liars and deceivers. Right? He agreed with one of their prophets that from the false teaching, he said what they're saying is actually true there. So gather your body together and say, stop this. We need conduct that matches our doctrine. That's what doctrine is for. If you have sound teaching, and you say, I believe this, then your life should match up to what you're speaking, right? And what they were saying is, well, we believe all these things. Our life doesn't match up, and Paul's rebuking both sides. <laughs> He's saying, these are false teachers. Silence them, but you guys pull yourselves together. You're saying you're, you're walking in sound doctrine, but you're not. The accusation against you is true. So he reproves and rebukes and corrects in sound doctrine. Didache, that word implied a teaching that became a lifestyle. I mean, we don't, we don't really understand that today because we just have one word, doctrine, right? But in other languages, words have a larger context. And I, I've learned that especially because I've learned other languages. One word can have a massive Meaning that when I'm translating, it's like they say one word, I say a sentence because of the meaning of that word. The same way in the Greek for didache, it's not just doctrine. It's doctrine that's lifestyle. It's ordered living. Doctrine was never meant to be head knowledge that was kept head knowledge. It was head knowledge. Oh, I understand what the Bible is teaching. I understand the order of the church. And then it becomes my lifestyle. My whole life is ordered 
around that. The whole church is then becomes ordered around this sound teaching. And we live our lives as a reflection of that. And that, like it says in Ephesians 3, becomes a testimony to the supernatural realm that God is on the move. His people are grounded. They're shining brilliantly, both in word and in deed. And this is what we're going after. So I just want to recap. This is just a cast vision where we're going in the next year. We're coming into this thing where we have to realize our mandate is worship and prayer to break into the spiritual realm, to bring heaven into earth, to prophesy, to release the word of the Lord, to move in spiritual gifts. And as we gather, we're going to be doing all of that, making room for the spirit. But as important as this is, just in two passages, there are so many more. There are so many more. But I hope that you've heard the urgency and the need for each of us to be grounded in this more than we already are. And we're going in this new year in January. That's why we have a lot of exciting things coming up because we're going to start to dig deeper. And it's exciting because the more we have sound doctrine, do you know how that affects your worship? I can tell you from experience the more I came to know God in his heart through his word, my worship went to, went to an entirely different place. My prayer life went to an entirely different place. Our prophesying will hit an entirely different place. So they're thoroughly linked together, and it's very exciting that we can be grounded together, challenging one another, get grappling with truth so that we can be grounded, and then we'll in every other area and we'll be able to stand against any onslaught that might come, any deception that not one, my heart, our heart as leaders here is that not one would be deceived in a day of deception where people are looking to have their ears tickled, that not one in this room and that each one present here could also gather other believers and say, no, if you see any going astray, that you could say, no, look, this is what the sound teaching is. This is the teaching that Paul passed on. This is the reason why we believe what we believe. That you could do that with any believer. And that if anyone were to challenge you and say, well, why do you believe this? And why do you believe that? That you'd say, oh, I believe it because this is what it says here. And I've been grounded, right? Because a lot of times we panic and like, I have no idea why I believe this. I have no idea what baptism is about. I have no idea how the gospel actually works. We've, we've been teaching a false gospel for a long time, guys. If I were to ask you, what is the gospel? Point blank. So many of us will repeat a prayer after me. And you'll be saved. That's not even in the Bible. That's nowhere in the Bible. Where did we get that from? Why do we think that way? <laughs> right? We need a shift back to what truth is. So it's going to be super exciting uh, for, for where we're going, how we're going to get grounded together. We'll have more information about that in January. Sean and Steph are going to be coming up. We're going to have Sean and Steph are the founders of Crossing Life Church, the, the hub in New Hampshire. They're coming up, and we're going to appoint leaders in the house. This is so 
making him exciting because this is like what we've been laboring for to establish the house. That's what Paul instructed Timothy to do. Put in order meant set leaders in the house, elders, deacons, apostolic leaders. Set them in the house. Give them their role. Let's roll. And when you have right authority in the church, you hit a totally different place of authority in the spirit realm. It's super exciting. So Sean and Steph are going to come up. We're going to have an awesome service appointing leaders. Then we have another Sunday. I'm just going to give you a little glimpse. I've shared some testimonies. My sister Lydia and her husband Jim, for 15 years, 20 years now, they have welcomed addicts into their home. They work a rehab in their home, right? And they have been followed around by Time, um, Time Magazine because they have the highest uh, turnover rate of heroin addicts. <laughs> success rate, highest success rate, meaning they're getting delivered, um, set free from their addiction, restored to family. It, it's amazing. And all they're doing is taking one addict in at a time. They've opened their home. They have their, their own program. And incredible. But what's happening now is that God is bringing them demon-possessed people. And we're going to talk about it, people. I mean, you'll be like, demon-possessed? What? Don't go home afraid. <laughs> That's real in the earth. I can tell you from living in other countries, it's a lot more in your face than it is in the U.S., but it exists here much more than we realize. Much more than we realize. Now she's having people coming to her home, getting delivered and set free from demonic oppression. And they have had, she literally prays for about four people a day at her home. Hundreds and hundreds of people without fail coming to, because other people got set free, told other people about it, and more are flocking to her. Now that she has to plan people on, she's like, my house is set. <laughs> I can't. So she's wanting to pray. And I said, come and teach us. Come and show us what you're doing. Because I want to tell you, too, it's not just unbelievers. There have been believers coming to her who have demonic oppression in their life. And she doesn't just do it. She, she also has a thorough teaching from Scripture about why this is and where this came from. It's phenomenal. So she's coming up with a team because she said, I, I said, I want to sit with you. I want to hear my sister, but she's so busy <laughs> with delivering people and stuff. <laughs> but I said, I need you to come. Just come and spend a week. I want to get prayer myself. <laughs> just, Lord, deliver me from anything else, right? I, who cares? I, I don't think I'm demon-possessed. <laughs> But I want to get prayer to see if there's any stronghold, there's any places. We can have little open doors in our life. And she's seen people get their sickness has leaked once they were delivered. Right? Amazing stuff. So she's going to come up with a couple people who have been delivered to testify, and then she's going to share with us. And anyone that wants prayer can get prayer. Oh, I'm pumped. And she said to me, she texted me out of nowhere, she said, Wes, I think this is so important that we get to Maine. She said, so many people are asking us, come to our church, show us what's going on, teach us, because people are hungry. Like, this is what we've been talking about, right? Deliverance, healed and delivered. That's a lot of a theme that we've been talking about. People are going to come who need deliverance. And she said, Wesley, I can't shake it. God is saying, go to Maine. They need to be prepared. Woo! So I was like, yes. Yeah. So they're coming 
um, January 23rd, 24th. So mark your calendars if you want to be part of that. Uh, I encourage everyone that's part of this body to be part. We want to be ready. We want as many people just to hear the teaching, to get prayer if you want prayer. If you don't want prayer, that's fine. Yeah, we'll do it on a Saturday so we can have more time. Um, but anyway, these are the exciting things we're coming into, the youth base camp. The whole youth was coming up from New Hampshire. There's about 20 of them, and they were so wrecked last time they were here that so many more want to come. And they've been saying, when are we going to Maine? When are we going to Maine? So the youth leaders contacted us like several times saying, the kids keep asking us, pick a date. So we're going to spread the word to youth groups around here. Youth groups from Maine got blasted by the Holy Spirit last time. That will be in March. So we have a lot of exciting things coming up. It's going to be awesome. Um, yeah, so get excited for the new year. I think that was like, uh, even through the words this morning, That's there's a wave coming. There's a prophetic sign. There's wave after wave coming, <laughs> and we're going to get doused. By the presence of God, the joy of the Lord, we're going to see people set free. We're going to hit new places of authority in the spirit. We're each going to be more grounded in what we believe so that we can provide a defense for the gospel, which will cause our worship and prayer to go to a new place. Super, super exciting. So what'd you say? Like food? Take him out. Yeah, take him out to the street. <laughs> well, take out. I thought you meant give him a grocer lawn full of made food. <laughs> like someone ordered the pizza. We're hungry, but we want wings. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. We all love food here. So <laughs> if we're hungry, we'll just order some takeout. They do really trust prophetically in the church. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah, so Father, we just thank you so much, God, for what you're doing in this family, in this community. You're awesome, God, and we look forward to this new year where you're going to prepare us. You're, I just see him. He's preparing us for the battle, but the victory's already ours. We're going to go out and just recover all that's been lost. Souls are going to come to know the living God. Lost ones are going to be set free from all addictions and strongholds and captivity, and they're going to come into the joy of the Lord. And we even prophesy that today, that there will be an exchange of mourning for joy and gladness. And in this house, many will encounter the living God. And we just thank you for it, God. I pray that you would stir each of our hearts in this room today for all that you have in store, that our, the hunger would be awakened for the more, for the more, God, that we would have so much hunger to know you more, to encounter you more, to, to jump into what you're doing fully, wholeheartedly, giving all that we are unto your move and your work. And we just thank you, God. I thank you for each one present in this room today. Thank you for gathering us together God, thank you. I just want to thank you even for Paul and the Roberts family, God, that you're, you brought here even this morning to release a word. We just bless them, God. We bless them as a community. We just thank you for the gift on their lives, God. We just thank you for them, Lord. Pour out your favor on them, direction, insight, understanding. Thank you for them, God. And we just bless this family, God. I bless this 
prospering Life Church family here in Maine, God, for all that you have purposed for us to do in this time, we rejoice to do it. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.